All right, as we head into warmer weather across much of the U.S. in the coming months, one way to stay cool and continue to get a good night's sleep is by checking out Bull and Branch Bedding and Sheets. They're a brand that we love here at Mo News. We only endorse products that we love. And we've been using Bull and Branch for more than two years now in our home. The sheets have been great, soft, breathable fabric that works for both cold and warm weather. We noticed the quality immediately and have gotten a few different sets in our house. I know Jill has as well. They're made with 100% organic cotton, completely free from toxins. I know that is very important to a number of you. And it's not just sheets. They have blankets, duvets, pillows, a whole variety of products to ensure you get a good night's sleep. And right now, they have a great deal for the Mo News community. Go check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. Again, they get softer with every wash. So the deal right now is 15% off your order when you use the promo code MONEWS over at bullandbranch.com. That is bullandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code MONEWS for 15% off. Exclusions do apply. See site for details. Hey, everyone. It is Wednesday, August 3rd. I'm Mo Shwanunu, and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. This is the place where we bring you just the facts from verified sources and a breakdown of what matters in the news. We read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. We have a lot to get to on this Wednesday. It was up late Tuesday, monitoring the headlines both out of Taiwan and the primaries here at home. Pelosi, of course, made an official landing in Taiwan on Tuesday. She's already begun her meetings on Wednesday morning with the Taiwanese president. We'll have more on that. Several states held very important midterm elections, and that includes Kansas, which overwhelmingly voted to protect abortion rights. I'm going to tell you more about what happened there. Meanwhile, you've seen all the media coverage of Jon Stewart and the burn pits legislation. It finally passed the Senate on Tuesday night. I'll have the backstory. And some entertainment news, why Beyonce is being forced to rewrite a song just days after her new album release, and why a major movie studio has decided never to release a $90 million movie. Okay, I want to start with breaking news this morning. And Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi has now officially left Taiwan after meeting with the Taiwanese president, where she reassured them that they have the backing of the U.S. Pelosi is joined by five other members of Congress. They are now headed to South Korea. Nancy Pelosi met with the Taiwanese president Wednesday morning to begin what is a very controversial visit to the Asian island. China has been warning against the visit. They've already deployed military forces in the area and are doing exercises. But Pelosi was undeterred by their threats, as well as some folks here at on the home front who did not want her to visit. But she is there nonetheless. We weren't sure whether she was actually going to make it. She had an itinerary that did not firm up Taiwan until the last second. She's over there in Asia doing one of the congressional delegations. Congress, uh, Congressmen and congresswomen often travel abroad during their breaks to get to know countries, see what's happening abroad. She headed to Asia, was making a swing. The visit was rumored. It became official on Tuesday, making her the highest ranking U.S. politician to visit Taiwan in 25 years. Back in 97, it was a previous Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich at the time, a Republican, who visited Taiwan. I was closely monitoring this with several hundred other thousand people. It turns out Flight Radar 24, which is a flight tracking site where you just type in the uh, airline uh, code or number uh, of the flight, was the, it turns out the Pelosi flight was the most watched flight ever on Flight Radar 24. Nearly a million people we're watching whether she would actually make it to Taiwan. The visit to the island has already prompted China to announce a series of military drills, including what they call a long-range live firing near Taiwan. 
That has started uh, already. They're also threatening and say in the coming days, they will be conducting missile tests, military drills that will encircle the island. Pelosi has said, and she said it again after landing, that her visit in no way contradicts the longstanding U.S. policy, which is called One China. And she said that America continues to oppose any unilateral efforts to change the status quo. The One China policy, as we've talked about on the show a couple times, including yesterday's episode, and I would direct you to Tuesday's episode for a deep dive into this. The One China policy means that the U.S. recognizes that there is only one China, and that includes Taiwan, and yet at the same time does not recognize China's right to control the island territory itself. It is a compromise that has worked for 40 years, and uh, China is very nervous that by making this visit, Pelosi is basically asserting that the U.S. does not believe in that. The White House Pelosi continuing to reassure the Chinese she is just visiting an ally in Taiwan. Back home, Pelosi got support from the White House. The White House was pretty nervous about this trip, but when she made clear she was going, they're supporting her, including uh, with Pentagon resources to ensure she stays safe. And interestingly, a rare moment, 26 Senate Republicans, including Mitch McConnell, endorsed the trip. This is a rare moment where you see Mitch McConnell basically saying, I support Nancy Pelosi. So frame the statement. Effectively, they said that the uh, right to travel there in no way breaks our existing agreements with China, and they supported her visit. They do not want her to allow Chinese threats to deter the visit. These drills by China in the coming days are going to be the most significant show of force around Taiwan in upwards of 30 years. Remember, the U.S. does not officially recognize Taiwan, but we keep unofficial relations with that democratic island. We sell them weapons, and we want to ensure that they feel like the U.S. has their back to a certain extent should the Chinese follow the example of what you saw the Russians do in Ukraine. And so the Taiwanese are looking for support. Some people are saying, Pelosi, don't rock the boat. She's decided to rock the boat here. And this is where we're at. Now, the U.S.-Chinese relationship, there's a lot there. It's the two largest economies on Earth, two of the largest militaries on Earth. The U.S. has been pushing China not to support Putin and his war effort in Ukraine. There's a lot at stake here. And so between these military drills, between the Chinese reaction here, it'll be very interesting to see what the U.S. does and how we you know, bring it back from the brink, so to speak, as the Chinese are pretty ticked off at the moment uh, by this Pelosi visit. Uh, but again, the next few weeks will be uh, very interesting to watch. And now to a whole bunch of headlines we're watching on the home front. I want to start with the Justice Department filing its first lawsuit since the big Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade. They are suing Idaho over the state's new abortion law that would impose a near total ban on the procedure. The federal government is arguing here that the uh, law in Idaho violates a federal requirement to provide medical care when a pregnant woman's life or health is at stake. U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland said the lawsuit is aimed at stopping Idaho's trigger ban. It is set to take effect in just a few weeks on August 25th. The Idaho law allows doctors to be criminally prosecuted for providing abortions. The U.S. government argues that that law could conflict with federal law that says patients seeking emergency care are entitled to any life-saving treatment at any hospital that accepts Medicare funds. So effectively, hospitals in Idaho accept Medicare funds, and the U.S. government saying that this law is going to block women from some emergency care, and so there's a violation of federal law there. The U.S. government lawsuit cites several medical conditions that could require a doctor to perform an abortion for life-saving reasons that include septic infections and ectopic pregnancies. Ectopic pregnancies, of course, are when the fetus implants outside the uterus and the pregnancy is not viable. Doctors sometimes need to use the same drugs and medical procedures that they also use in the case of an abortion. 
Now, while Idaho state leaders say there's a medical exception in the law, and this is totally overreached by the federal government, some abortion providers say the exceptions are vaguely worded. They believe that the way the law is written actually puts them at legal risk in providing care for miscarriages and life-threatening pregnancy complications. We've been talking a lot on this podcast and the newsletter and on the Instagram feed about how there's a lot of confusion. It's not just Idaho in multiple states with these vaguely worded abortion bans. And so the federal government feels they got to step in here in the case of the Idaho law and say something needs to be done about these laws to ensure that hospitals, that doctors know what procedures they can use on women who have uh, life-threatening pregnancy complications. I want to stay with that topic for a second because abortion was on the ballot Tuesday as several states voted in their primaries. We were watching Arizona, Missouri, Washington, Michigan, and Kansas, and are still awaiting some final results that are very close this Wednesday morning. I want to start in Kansas where voters overwhelmingly rejected an amendment that would have weakened the right to an abortion under that state's constitution. It is a huge defeat for anti-abortion activists in the post-Roe v. Wade era. In fact, voters in Kansas are the first voters in the union that are able to determine the fate of abortion in their state at the ballot box. We actually expected this one to be relatively close, but clearly the polling was off here. The proposed amendment would have added to the state constitution a declaration that there's no right to abortion. And that effectively would have allowed the Republican-controlled state legislature, and they have a supermajority there, to pass restrictions or an outright ban on abortion. The voter turnout was pretty incredible. We saw a mega turnout, almost on par with a general election. And remember, this is a primary. They typically see just over 400,000 voters in a primary in Kansas. We're looking at close to a million people voted in Kansas. And so you saw a record turnout, and it appears uh, a lot of those folks who came out came out to overwhelmingly reject the proposal. What that means is that the 2019 Kansas Supreme Court decision that ruled that abortion was protected in the state will stand. Now to a big victory on Capitol Hill Tuesday for veterans, and this uh, is in regards to the burn pitch legislation. The Senate voted Tuesday night to pass the bill to expand healthcare benefits for millions of veterans who were exposed to toxic burn pits during their military service. The final vote was overwhelming, 86 to 11 in the U.S. Senate. It now goes to President Biden to be signed into law. The passage of the bill marks an end to a lengthy fight to get that legislation through Congress. Veterans and their advocates, including prominently comedian and activist John Stewart, had been demonstrating on Capitol Hill for days. Many veterans were allowed, and they actually watched this from the Senate gallery, which is the the balcony that allows uh, visitors to watch Uh, the proceedings below, they watched the final vote on Tuesday evening. The new legislation would effectively presume that any American service member that was stationed in a combat zone in the last 32 years could have been exposed to toxic substances. It allocates a projected $280 billion over the next decade to treat ailments tied to those exposures, and it streamlines veterans' access to care. Until now, veterans had to prove to the VA that they had burn pit exposure to get treatment. It was very difficult. I heard from a number of you uh, whose family members have been through this. Um, You messaged me on Instagram. And the fact that now they will be able to get care without having to prove on some date in some place abroad that they had been exposed to a burn pit. The legislation had been held up in the chamber since last week. That's when more than two dozen Republicans who had previously supported the measure, they voted it. They voted for it back in June. Uh, last week, they voted against it. They felt that there was a uh, issue in regards to an accounting provision. This was led by Senator Pat Toomey, a Republican from Pennsylvania. Uh, he said and claimed that the bill would allow uh, non-veteran spending. Uh, and so there was a huge controversy in regards to a, essentially uh, careful budgeting. 
But that assertion really shocked a number of folks because nothing had really changed in regards to budgeting between June and last week. Effectively, on Tuesday, they allowed Toomey and Republicans to propose several amendments. They all went down. And so the bill was passed on Tuesday by a 75-vote margin. Uh, 11 Republicans voted against it. It was the same bill as last week, but there was this sort of onslaught of uh, support. And so it, it got through by an overwhelming margin. As I said, it goes to the White House. Biden will sign this. And this is personal for him. He has speculated that toxic substances from burn pits contributed to the death of his son, Bo Biden. Bo Biden served in Iraq back around 2015, and he died of brain cancer. President Biden believes that burn pits uh, were one of the reasons that Bo got brain cancer. We're also tracking the monkeypox outbreak here. And in the last day, California and Illinois have joined New York in declaring states of emergency in their respective states. We know now of nearly 6,000 confirmed cases of monkeypox uh, that have been recorded nationwide, about 1,400 in New York, just over 800 in California, and just over 500 in Illinois. Every state in the union has now seen a case of monkeypox that is except right now for Wyoming and Montana. Monkeypox typically starts with flu-like illnesses uh, like fever and muscle aches and then progresses to a rash. In the current outbreak, though, some have experienced only the rash and subtle lesions that are leading to confusion. People are confusing it for other illnesses. It spreads from person to person through close physical contact, usually prolonged. Right now, gay and bisexual men are the highest risk for infection right now. That's according to the CDC. They've seen that about 98% of patients who provided their demographic information to clinics identified as men who have sex with men. But health officials have repeatedly emphasized that anyone can catch monkeypox through physical contact with someone who has the rash, and we have seen a few cases in women and in some children. A quick economic health check came on Tuesday. We learned that job openings plunged in June to their lowest level since last fall. It's a potential sign that the job market is starting to tighten a bit, well, just a bit. The total of employment vacancies fell to about 10.7 million available jobs through the last day of June. That's a decline of about 600,000 from the previous month. And that's according all that data to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. But even with the decline in the number of available jobs, there are still 1.8 open jobs per available worker. And so there's nearly 5 million more jobs than people seeking work. So it still appears to be a pretty good market for workers, but things are starting to tighten as we see inflation playing a role here for companies. And we've seen uh, increasing evidence that we might be going into recession. This was the big worry for the Fed and others is that it'll start to impact employment. Now to some good news for those of you who are planning to travel uh, pretty soon, well, not too soon, apps tracking summer flights see that the demand is starting to wane. And this is great if you waited, as we've been telling you to wait, to take your vacations until this fall. According to the travel app Hopper, domestic airfare is slated to drop to an average of $286 per round trip in August. That is a 25% reduction since May, when the average flight exceeded more than $400 for a round trip. Historically, by the way, airfares do drop in late August, but this is the most significant drop we've seen in years. Hopper's lead economist reports that September and early October will be the cheapest times to travel, while August and early September will be the cheapest times to book travel for those months. So sometimes people like to book stuff in advance. It appears that if you book August and early September for a late September, October, that is your best chance to get a good deal. Though as you travel, one of the places you can no longer go to visit, I learned on Tuesday, is the tallest tree in the world. Not sure how many of you were ready to go to the Redwood National Park, but we had a headline out of the park on Tuesday. Tree enthusiasts, I, I love this term, who make the trek to see a tree known as Hyperion. It has a name, folks. Uh, it's located in the Northern California forest. 
they will face a fine and possible jail time after park officials have now declared the area around that tree, the tallest tree in the world, off limits. The park officials say too much damage has now been done by trampling visitors to the tree and the surrounding forest. Hyperion is a 380-foot coast redwood. It's in a remote area of the Redwood National Park and is not accessible by any trail, but that has not stopped visitors from hiking to the tree in recent years. In 2019, the Guinness Book of World Records declared the tree officially, which, by the way, they believe to be between 600 and 800 years old, to be the tallest in the world. Officials do assure travelers, though, that if you make your way to Redwood National Park, there are a lot of other beautiful trees to go see. Now to a trial I've been watching, and it involves none other than Stephen King. The horror author is taking on a new monster, corporate consolidation. He was the U.S. government's star witness in an antitrust trial that uh, it's seeking to block the two biggest U.S. publishers, that's Penguin Random House and Simon & Schuster, from their $2.2 billion merger. Basically, the U.S. Department of Justice called King out to testify about how bad the proposed merger could be for authors. He told the court that he felt the move would be bad for competition in the industry. Both Random House and Simon Schuster have argued the merger will actually be good. It will not hinder competition because they'll still bid against each other, even though they'll be owned by the same company. King called that out as nonsense. The trial is actually one of two the U.S. government is engaged in right now to block major mergers. The other one is in the healthcare sector. The U.S. government is very worried about monopolies that could hurt consumers. A couple entertainment headlines I've been watching. First, Beyonce uh, is in a bit of hot water and she's being forced to change a lyric in a song on her new album, Renaissance. That comes after she received criticism by people in the disability community for using the term spaz. It is considered an ableist term by some in the community. Disability advocates say it diminishes those who experience spasticity, a medical condition that results from neural pathway damage. So the changes will be made in her 11th track, Heated. It's interesting because the singer Lizzo also had to change a lyric in her song, Girls, back in June, which contained the same term. It's apparent here, as I was talking about this with my wife, Alex, that no one in Beyonce's crew apparently bothered to watch the drama uh, around Lizzo and the term. And so uh, no one prevented Queen B from having to go through this controversy. And it appears that she will be changing the lyric. And that is just days after the album was released last week. The other big headline, Warner Brothers Discovery will not release the movie Batgirl, either theatrically or on HBO Max. I'm learning this from the entertainment website, The Wrap. The project apparently cost $90 million and it'll never see the light of day. It was made under a previous regime. Batgirl was actually initially designed to be an HBO Max release and then was considered for theatrical distribution and then had COVID issues and shutdowns and the budget ballooned to $90 million. Well, the leaders of the studio, this is now the new Discovery Warner Media Studio, determined that ultimately, in spite of the reshoots, in spite of the budget, the movie just didn't work. And so the new owners and management, this is led by CEO David Zasloff over there, they're committed to making DC titles big theatrical event films, and Batgirl is not that. Insiders added that the studio breasts love the film directors and the star and are actively planning to work with them soon on another film. By the way, this is the latest reset by Zasloff and the Discovery team as they took over Warner Media. You might remember that earlier this spring, one of their first moves was to kill CNN Plus, the streaming channel for CNN. That had cost several hundred million dollars, and so... Uh, they kill that, and now Batgirl will never see the light of day. This is a personal story for me as a native of the Chicago suburbs. I watched uh, with horror as, as my hometown went through uh, the mass shooting in Highland Park on July 4th. We have a bit of good news here as the eight-year-old Cooper Roberts, who's paralyzed from the waist down, has been discharged from the hospital. 
Cooper was finally reunited with his dog, George, whom the boy asked for when he finally regained consciousness after the shooting. Cooper was shot along with his mother and twin brother. Uh, the other two family members, the mother and the brother, are now at home. But for Cooper, this is a much longer recovery. It was very touch and go for him for a while. Uh, they weren't sure whether he would make it out. Multiple surgeries, multiple operations. Unfortunately, he is now paralyzed from the waist down. But thankfully, he is being discharged. It will be a long road ahead for his recovery. The family says they will be working with a new medical team to determine Cooper's best physical therapy, rehabilitation, and mental health services. Uh, the eight-year-old has a GoFundMe page that has been set up for him. It has raised more than $1.7 million. I'll link to it in the show notes. But Cooper has made it through a very difficult stretch, and we are praying for his continued recovery. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Mo News Now Daily podcast. We'd love your feedback on how we're doing, uh, what we're covering, what you'd like to see. Please email me, podcast at mo.news. And remember, you can subscribe to the Mo News newsletter over at monews.bolton.com. The issue today is actually a a look at my journey and how I got to uh, start the Instagram account and how I got to build the the newsletter and the podcast. So we kind of turned the camera and turned the newsletter on ourselves today. So go check that out, monews.bolton.com. And remember, of course, to follow me over on Instagram at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. And don't forget to follow us and review uh, the show over on whatever app you're listening to us on right now we appreciate uh, show follows subscriptions reviews especially if you like what we're doing over here and a reminder that every single review and follow makes a difference i'll see everyone back here tomorrow